My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 587. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being, <laughs> bless you, sweetheart, Thank is you. a parent's self-understanding. Would you tee up... Oh, bless you. Bless me, everybody. Sorry, bad timing. Will you tee up uh, the topic of today? And then I want to do some announcements. Absolutely. So... For those of you who um, have been listening to the last couple weeks specifically, we have been talking about um, empathy volume. Pump up the volume, (laughs) pump up the volume, dance, dance. So this whole month has been dedicated to empathy. And the week of February 2nd, we talked about mindful caring, which was focusing on, um, you know, being more thoughtful about what you want to care about and putting your energy and your empathy toward those people or issues or whatever it may be. Last week, we talked about caring too much and getting burned out um, by empathy, because especially those of us who are in a healthcare profession, and when I say healthcare, mental health, and then the people who are in medical healthcare, and the um, you know, people who are in law enforcement and the people who are, you know, take care of others as caregivers or whatever it may be, um, they are forced to be constantly focusing on other people's well-being. And we have to be really thoughtful about how we take care of ourselves. And I'm talking about all these like professional, um, you know, all these, these work experiences, but really it's about us as parents too, because if we are, we're all, we've all been in this situation for like a year of the pandemic and taking care of our kids or supporting our kids or empathizing with our kids through these really trying times um, is burning us out. And I think we all know that. So, And we talked about burnout last week, and today we're going to talk about creativity and balance. Right. So this week is creativity and balance. And basically what that means is how we take care of ourselves. So this week is tools. Okay. So Todd likes pragmatic things. So that's what this week is. It's a little more focused on how to do this. I love pragmatic. I love pragmatism. 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 Pragmatic. Wait, now you're messing me up. I really don't know how to do the word. Me neither. Pragmatic. (laughs) Pragmatism. You guys know. You all know. Pragmatism. Pragmatism. We were putting the emphasis on the wrong part. Pragmatism. I'm going to start putting the accent on the wrong parts of the words from now on. Oh, boy. Um, I wanted to try to do it right now, but I can't think of any words with two syllables. 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 But first, uh, we got to do a little bit of this. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. For those of you guys who don't know what tournament tournament bad is, it's an opportunity for me to complain about something. (laughs) This week, I'm complaining about a documentary that we watched this weekend. (laughs) And it's called, where's my notes? What was it called, sweetie? It's called The Cecil Hotel. No. Oh, no, Crime Scene. Crime Scene, Mysteries at the Cecil Hotel. It's on Netflix. It's trending. It's Pe- trending number one. People seem to like it. If you guys, if you all didn't know anything other than this, I've, I've saved you four hours of time by not watching this documentary. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but it's produced by Grazer and Ron Howard. Brian Grazer? Yes. So, which is what kind of, like, my daughter wanted to watch it. We all decided to watch it together, which I was in on it, too. Like, I was like, yes, let's do this. I I love shows like this. And then in the opening credits, it said Ron Howard. I was in. Brian Grazer. I was in. And we're like, okay, we trust them. Dumb. (laughs) Just 
Not good. Well, waste of time. Here's what I'll say about it, and then you can tell why you didn't like it. Yeah. It had some interesting things. There were pieces that were interesting, but they probably could have done it in one hour, and they needed to focus on what they wanted to focus on because they were trying to focus heavily on a certain story of someone who went missing from that hotel. Mm -hmm. But then they tried to bring in a million other elements of like how Richard Ramirez lived there. He's a serial killer and that it was in the middle of Skid Row and that it just had no, it's like somebody forgot to edit it. Yes. Yeah. Somebody forgot to, they basically took their version of the raw footage and forgot to put the important parts together because it would have been good. Maybe an 18 minute documentary, Uh, an hour, maybe 90 minutes, No, maybe five minutes, (laughs) the trailer. I just to stick the with trailer the trailer. was good. Tra- trailer was intriguing, but there was nothing to back up. Well, and we just we actually had fun watching it because it was so bad. It was well, first of all, it was snowing all weekend, as we know, so it's not like we had any place we needed to go, and we like th- basically we were like an hour or maybe we were in the second hour, and these police officers would be like, or these detectives, they'd be like, you know, that's when we knew. There was a mystery. Yeah. We're like, really? Yeah. Now you're just figuring this out? Like some of the the interviews were, they shouldn't have been funny. Yeah. But they were. Yeah. Because they kept saying the same thing over and over again. So, so yeah. yeah. I'm Don't bother. with you on that Don't one. Don't bother. Uh, next, Zen Parenting Moment. It's something my sweetheart writes twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. This one that I want to highlight is on hugs, and I have a little clip to intro it. Okay. I'm wonderful. I've always wanted a nose. It's so cute. It's like a little baby unicorn. But, hey, whoa. Oh, I love it even more. <sighs> all right, let's start this thing over. Hi, everyone. I'm Olaf, and I like warm hugs. I want to play this whole scene, but it takes a while, but it's really funny. The intro to Olaf is just wonderful. Olaf, period, is just funny. I think people love Olaf. Of course, he's the sweetest. He is. Can you think of another character that's sweeter than Olaf? Bearclaw in New Girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to read the first and the third paragraph of your moment. Okay, my please. When we're in pain or need a good cry, we long for a hug from someone we love. Hugging offers a boundary where we can drop into our body and feel our feelings in a safe and contained way. Hugs make us less vulnerable to the world like we have a protective energy around us so we can safely release pain. Your last paragraph says, too often we push away a loved one, especially a child who is screaming or crying, demanding that they calm down before we offer them a hug. But hugging is how we calm down, and being hugged is how we realize we matter. As family therapist Virginia Sater said, we need four hugs a day for survival, we need eight hugs a day for maintenance, and we need 12 hugs a day for growth. Now, I will say, and this is Happy Valentine's Day, text this to the people you love. Text this hug to the people you love. Um, and I just want to say, if anybody likes the idea of these end parenting moments, all you got to do is scroll up on your phone uh, where you press play on this podcast, and you can very easily sign up for it. So that's my first toss to everybody. Uh, I'm, I love hugs, but and I'm, I'm in a loving family but I don't get, I, I choose, I don't choose hugs enough. I don't offer them. I don't receive them. And I feel like we have what a- What do you mean you don't receive them? I give I you just, a hug every day. I know you do. It's just, I don't, I, I don't receive it in the way that it deserves to be ah, received. Got it. It's not like I shoot so you, it away. You get them. Yeah. You're just not 
embracing. Sometimes. Right. Sometimes. But sometimes I'm, it's a gift, and I sometimes don't give it the presence that it deserves. Well, I think the reason I wanted to write about hugs is because there is scientific, everything is researched, right? And I think sometimes we don't recognize what a hug can be, because a lot of times we think about it as like, oh, I'm going to give you a hug and move on. Somebody who's crying, adult or a child, when when you start to fall apart, which is really what a cry can be, and mm. I mean this in the most positive way, I don't mean fall apart like you shouldn't be. I mean, like you really start to let down. You can start to feel really uncomfortable. Like you think about just the, the language I'm using, fall apart. Mm-hmm. And if somebody is hugging you, it allows you to fall apart and feel safe, that you are contained. So that's what I mean about you're able to drop into your body. Instead of being in your mind of like, what do I do with myself while I'm falling apart? You're being held so you can let go. And we know this is the case. Like this is hugging actually, you know, research is all based on brain waves and what's happening in the mind when you're being hugged. And so this has all been researched. And the the why we need to understand what a hug can do is that a lot of times when someone is upset, be it our partner or our children, we will deny the hug mm. because they're upset. And we'll say, when you calm down, then I will give you a hug as if it's like an, a reward. Yeah. Versus understanding that the hug is how you calm down. Right. And again, I know that can be difficult, especially like if with your partner, if you're in an argument and they're like, just hug me. I understand why that may not yeah. work. Okay. So there's I'm a not- timeliness. There's discernment of how and when, when to hug somebody. Is it your equal? Is it your kid? Right. Is it your dad? Is it your mom? Like right. there's all these different, you know, so it's not like hugs are the perfect idea all the time, but when it's a good idea, do it. Especially with your children. I think if there's anything that can come from this Zen parenting moment, it's when your kid is really feeling out of control that's not when you push them away. If if they're, especially if they're open to a hug. Yes. Like some kids are out of control and they need to be by themselves to calm down or, or you know, again, discernment. But if they want a hug, withholding it is not great. Not a good idea. No. So, or I'll say it the other way, offering it is amazing. Um. So it says four hugs a day for survival, eight for maintenance, 12 for a day, 12 hugs a day for growth. Um, yes. And like it, sometimes it takes a good 10, at least 10 seconds to drop in kind of Correct. what we talk about. Yes. Cause if it's a quick two second hug, it's better than no hug at all. But don't you think that quality of hugs is as important as the quantity? I do. I, it, but I also think there's room for a lot of different things yeah. in there, meaning that this is kind of different when it comes to hugs. But for those of you who've been listening to Zen Parenting Radio a long time, you might remember this. When my kids were really little, I really made a choice that the vast majority of time that I that I see them, if it be in the morning or before bed or if I haven't seen them for a few hours, I give them a hug. And it's not – I don't need anything from it, meaning it's not that I'm – they're usually quick and brief and yeah. just like, you know, kind of a kiss on the head kind of hug. But I did it on purpose, number one, because of the whole uh, Toni Morrison quote of do your eyes light up when your kids walk in the room. Yeah. I want, that's my way of demonstrating my eyes are lighting up. You know what I mean? Like you're here, I'm going to give you a hug. 
Um, and the other part of it was, was to keep a physical connection with my kids as they got older, mm. because I knew that once they got older, became teenagers, that, that touching, it's not that touching would completely go away. It just changes. Obviously your children sit on your lap, they jump on your back, all that kind of stuff when they're little, but as they get older, it's a natural separation as they become closer to adulthood. And I wanted them to view hugs as being what mom does. Right. And, um, so, and we still do it all the time. They actually ask for them sometimes, or they kind of come over to me and put their head on my shoulder, and they they need them. The bottom line is, human beings need hugs. We don't have to be literal with what you know Virginia said mm -hmm. about hugs. It's not like you really have to count to four. Yeah. She's trying to make a point of hugs build connection and trust. And and it, for me, it gets me out of my head, which is where I reside most of the time. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, so let's talk. Wait, I you just did a tournament of bad. I want to do a tournament of good. Oh, okay. So I'm going to play this into the, the microphone. The microphone. So it won't be as great a sound quality as Todd's, but hopefully good enough. So my girlfriend. So I'll start it this way. I love '80s music. Okay, all '80s music, and one band that I love from the '80s is Hall and Oates. And when Todd and I were supposed to go to Vegas last year during 2020, which we obviously didn't, we were supposed to see Hall & Oates, weren't we? Wasn't uh, that part that of the plan? That sounds right. Yes. So we were going to. We didn't have tickets yet, but again, everything fell through. And my girlfriend, Jessica, just sent me this the other day, and I'm going to play it for you guys because it's a phone number, and I'm going to give it to you so you guys can do this yourself. And here's a phone number. Do you have a pen? I do. Okay. It's 719 266 2837. And this is, th this line is called the Colin Oates <laughs> hotline. So listen. Welcome to Colin Oates, your emergency Hall and Oates helpline. To hear one on one, please press one. <laughs> to hear rich girl, please press two. What do you want to hear? To hear Manita. Please press three. To hear privatize, please press four. Let's two, hear two. Two, two. You're a rich girl, and you've gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money. You can rely on the old man's money. It's a bitch girl. Hey, you're swearing. So. Bitch is a female dog, that, sweetie. Well, anyway, that. Hollin' Oats, Callin' Oats, <laughs> gives me so much happiness. And this is why. Number one, that it exists. Number two, that <laughs> why does it exist? Because it just makes me think about who made it and how much I want to be friends with them. And then number three, it reminds me so much of my childhood because things like that existed. Like, you know, I always tell this story about when, and this is kind of a sad story when you think about it, but when I was little, in the back of our phone books, we had something called Telmed tapes, phone books. Everybody who doesn't know what that is, we used to have phone books. And Telmed tapes were these things where you'd call this number and then you'd punch in a number and it would like give you information about an illness that you had. So it had like this list of things. And as a kid, I must have been a hypochondriac or something. I think I was just anxious and this was the way it came out. But I would like think I had an <laughs> illness. And we didn't have the internet. So the, the only internet. way for you to find out if you were sick is by calling call the it stupid number. Tapes. And it basically sounded just like this. Yeah. You know, it was like all cut off and all like, you know, like shh kind of sound. So that's a total old school thing. Yes. And to try to explain this to our 
16 year old or whatever, mom, dad, why would you want to call a number <laughs> to select one of four songs to play on a low quality cell phone right. thing when you could take your phone and have the entire catalog of hollow notes right. in your iTunes right. or your Spotify? The reason is because it's awesome. Because I, the woman almost sounds British. <laughs> like she's like, hello. And then, she, uh, then she says, man eater. Yes. <laughs> And I've played all four songs, by the way. Of course you have. And I think they should add to the catalog because Say It Isn't So is my favorite. Really? Um, And also the other one. What is my other one? Say It Isn't So. And then... um, We should do a pop culturing on just Hollow Notes songs. Well, I'm forgetting my favorite one from like like eighth grade. God, what is it called? I'll I'll figure it out. But... um, So anyway, I just want to share that because everybody deserves a little Hollow Notes in their life. Uh, Yeah, and I think they were... Um, they were early and early recipients of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think they got in right away. Oh, really? They? I don't know. I kind of feel like it's not cool to like Hollow Notes, or well, at of least course it mo- isn't. most of our twenties and thirties are like, no, Hollow Notes. That's back when we were. You're looking up the song. Out of you? touch. That was the one I liked. Oh, out of touch. Okay. Um, anyways, um, they're but not enough cool. time has gone by. Yes. To now where they're cool again. To me. To me. A lot of bands that aren't cool are cool to Put me. Put it this way. I'm no, I don't consider myself a Hall & Oates fan, but I would know the words to most of their top 10 songs. Yeah, I think you would. Like, that was only four. Yeah. They got to oh, keep going. There's more where that came they from. There are more where that came from. Okay. So now let's talk about creativity and balance. So basically, uh, this is the way that, this is the theme of this podcast. You ready, Todd? Let's do this. At first, I call it develop, develop your loves and not your hates, mm-hmm. but I don't love the word hate. So let's say develop your likes and not your dislikes. What do I mean by that? Your goal in your creative approaches to developing your empathy and having a way, having tools in place to not burn out is to focus on what you really, this kind of goes back to the first week talking about mindful caring. What is it that really fills you up? And focus your energy there. So many of us, and I'm talking about obviously personal experience with this, but also talking to my clients, my friends, Team Zen members. So many of us are filling our days with things we don't want. And we are doing it consistently. And we're not paying attention to how much these dislikes affect our energy and our empathetic responses. Now, let me be clear. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We have to help our kids with school, right? We got to go to work. We have to help other people. We ha- There are things that we may say, well, I don't love this, but we know we have to do it, right? These are, what's a better word, Todd, than have tos? There are responsibilities. Yeah, something that we need to do. So I am not saying shirk your responsibilities. What I'm saying is do what you must do and then build around those musts some of your likes and your loves and make sure they take priority. Okay. Because I think that's the thing is when I talk to, especially women and I'll say, what, what are the things you love? Oh, I love to go have coffee with a friend. And again, I know pandemic makes it rough, but we can wear a mask, right? Um, or, or I want to write more or what really makes me happy is yoga. And I haven't done it in three weeks. And I'm always like, well, if you love it, why is that the thing that gets left off? Yeah. And this is like a switch of you don't have to suffer to demonstrate your worth. Yeah, for me, it's kind of like a short-term, long-term thing, whereas, oh, we have to make lunches or we have to make dinner so our family will be fed or whatever it is. 
And yoga, it's easy to discard right. because we don't think, we don't see the immediate results. If we don't feed our family, then they're going to be grumpy and and really cramping my night. Like if they're all complaining and whiny, that's no good. So I better feed this family versus um, if I don't do yoga, uh, I'll do yoga tomorrow. It's just easier to dismiss. Right. So I think what you're, part of what you're talking about, I think, is that um, you got, we got to look at the overall long-term impact of it. And we think that missing a day of yoga in this example isn't going to equate to anything. But the problem is if we do that enough days in a row, it reminds me of the Atomic Habits book that I loved so much. I did a workshop in my men's group for, he's, you know, like to develop a habit takes 21 days, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, if you miss a day, that's fine, but don't miss the second day. (laughs) Cause when you miss a second day, that's not a mistake. It's a pattern. So in this example, yoga, if you miss a day, that's fine. But if you really love it, don't miss that second day. Prioritize it. Right. And I, and because Todd and I have these conversations constantly, cause he is more pragmatic and he loves goals and he loves to check things off lists. And so that is your language. And I think a lot of people listening will relate to what you just said. All the smart ones. <laughs> For those of you who think a little more like me, where you're more driven by feeling and emotion, don't miss the things you love. Like if, if you don't love yoga, don't do it. Yeah. But if you're like, yoga makes me feel good, I'm more patient because of yoga. And I'm using yoga as fill yeah. in the blank. Yeah. Um, like what I know, something I figured out was that I was often, I could be really productive during a day, but if I hadn't written anything, I was resentful mm-hmm. of everybody. As if, all these things I had to do, poor me, and I didn't just, I didn't get to write today, and it's because of all these other things, and I kind of blamed everybody else. It, and who is everybody else? My family, you know, people who, my students, the world. a client, the world. And I realized that is totally within my power yeah. to wake up in the morning and write first, so then, or say, at noon, I'm going to start writing. It doesn't always have to be first thing in the morning. I want to be clear to those of you who have creative outlets, you know, people who are like, you have to do it in the morning if that's what works for you. But why not avoid that resentment and actually write for an hour, you know? Well, and I feel like you just touched on this a little bit. I think a lot of people out there say they love yoga, but they really feel like they're doing yoga because they think they should. Someone told them to. Somebody told yeah. them to. Somebody's. So you, you like the way somebody looks that does yoga every day, whatever, but really it's a discernment. Like what are some of these things that light you up? Something right. that you get excited to do. Right. Like I got in the Peloton this morning. I wasn't that excited about it. I did it anyways because I feel like it's something I should do. But what I did do was watch the Making of the Silence of the Lambs documentary because right. we're going to do pop culturing on that sometime soon. So I kind of like combined things to make the Peloton, which I'm not a huge fan of, more appetizing because I was watching this documentary that was really interesting. Yeah, you got two things done at once. Yeah. You did the the hard thing within the fun thing, which yes. was watch. And that's what I do, that I sometimes listen to my own. I listen to podcasts while I'm doing the Peloton instead of listening to the teacher. I just kind of watch what the teacher tells me to do, and it's because I want to listen to a podcast. Yeah. And I want to get two things done at once. And yeah. that's kind of – and that's the other thing is – I can I can hear right now. Say I was in a conversation with a bunch of men and women. They'd say, "Well, that's cheating." Mm. You know, you got to listen to the teacher, and that's all made up stuff. Made up rules to you do maybe, yeah, and that's fine. You keep doing that, but if I am able to get back on that bike, <clears throat> excuse me, because I'm excited to listen to my podcast, why would I not do this? Yeah. I learned this. Um, 
learned it. I've learned it many times over, but I used to go to the grocery store and feel like I should just go to the grocery store and be mindful and be present and do all the things. And I was listening to Martha Beck or maybe reading one of her blogs. And she said, oh, when I go to the grocery store, I always listen to a podcast because I don't want to be at the grocery store. And I was like, duh, Kathy. Like the rules we set up in our mind that tell us you must suffer if you're going to learn something. I'm sorry. I don't know about you guys. We've had enough suffering that has nothing to do with our choices, things that have happened outside of us in our own family to us trauma we don't need to create it we don't need to like perpetuate it we don't need to tell ourselves a bunch of things to make us feel bad about our choices Mm. and so put on your earphones and listen to music listen to hollow notes in the car while you're at the grocery store while you're on the peloton while you're taking a walk you know like do that if it helps you feel better because again this is empathy month Why? Because if you feel better, if you feel like you're not resentful, if you feel like you're full enough, Mm -hmm. you may not be topped out, but you're full enough, you can be empathetic toward other people. You you won't get burned out. You'll be able to support your partner. You'll be able to help your kids with their schoolwork. But if you're like burned out, it's impossible. I want to take us into a slightly different tangent and then you could bring me back. Um, I've had this on my notes for like a month because oh, it's something that was interesting to me. It's this yourteenmagazine.com. And I think it was at the time where I was like challenged because I wasn't connecting with one of my teenagers. Okay. I don't know. It landed in my inbox. And the title of the blog was The Ties That Bind Us, How to Reconnect with Your Teenager. And I think that we can connect the dots regarding empathy a little bit. But it's basically just a um, it's a list of ways to connect with our teenagers and this is one quote I pulled out of it. And then there's a few things that they offer as suggestions of how to connect with your teenager. Um, from a parenting philosophy, the author, this guy named Carl Pickard, I don't know if you've ever heard of mm-hmm. him. He, he wrote, uh, Who Stole My Child and Parenting Through the Four Stages of Adolescence. We will be firm where we have to, flexible where we can, and always listen to whatever questions or disagreements you have. And then he lists some questions to ask your teenager. And then I'm going to pull in my own personal example of this. Some questions. So if if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I don't know how to relate to this kid. I have no idea. These are some questions you can ask. What watch, what are you listening or reading these days? What do you like about it? (laughs) Got it. How does Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok work? Okay. What's one positive and one negative thing about your day, which we sometimes talk about at the dinner table? You know, one good thing, one bad thing. If your teen is upset with a friend or a teenager, don't judge or react, but acknowledge their feelings. Say, wow, that sounds like a big deal, or no wonder you're upset, instead of us getting mad at them for being upset. Or saying, what'd you do? So my personal example is there's this app called Toon Blast. Mm -hmm. And uh, my daughter, my 13-year-old, has been playing it for a long time. And it's this very highly addictive game and it's kind of like Tetris, but candy crush or candy crush, but it's the the app developers knew what they were doing when they made this because it's very seductive. Todd's playing it a lot. Um, But I have this connection with my 13 year old in through the lens of Toon Blast and your niece and my niece who lives on the other side of the country. Like we're on the same team. We're in these tournaments together. It's not like I'm spending hours and hours, but I'm spending a handful of minutes. And it's something I can connect with my teenage daughter about. So I I don't know if that fits exactly what we're talking about today, but it's just an idea of 
you know, to, to connect with your kid, you need to be empathic. So I just decided to throw well, that out and there. And I think like one thing that has been a blessing in regards to my relationship with my girls is that I authentically love pop culture. It's not something I've had to develop. It's mm. not something that uh, that I got on the bandwagon because I had kids. I authentically love pop culture. And so my kids have grown up hearing me talk about pop culture and being kind of obsessed with certain things, if it be TV shows or movies or analyzing them or whatever, breaking down. They get as know. excited about the Academy Awards as you do. Correct. And, that's, and, and I think that has a lot to do with because we've always watched sure. them. Even when they were little and didn't understand, mom loves it. Yeah. And so all three of them have their own relationship with pop culture. Not the same. Like I have one daughter who probably is way more into it than the other two, but the other two have the things that they love. And that is one way that has been very easy for me to stay in tune with them and to be true to myself, which is like... For example, like I'll just use my older daughter, my oldest daughter, JC, who loves Killing Eve and loves Jodie Comer. Okay, so I never understood the Jodie Comer fascination that she had. But Todd and I finally started watching Killing Eve, and now I am obsessed with Jodie Comer. So my daughter and I have this like Jodie Comer obsession. Totally. And we talk about her Instagram and we talk about her and we talk about why we love her so much. And we quote her and my sister or my sister, my daughter can sound just like her. Like it just makes me oh, laugh. She's got her down. She's got her down. And, um, she kind of looks like her too. And interestingly enough, so it's kind of freaky. Um, if you watch killing Eve, but, um, so these are things like, so when I see a Jody Comer, a good Instagram post or like a story about her, I text it to my daughter right away. And that's one of a million things I text to my girls. Like, you know, Taylor Swift is, has an announcement at midnight tonight, text it to everybody. What is it? Okay. What is the song? What is she doing? Like we, we can say, well, pop culture is not important or how does it hold value? Or what about my kid's education and all that? But it's a piece. It is one thing that holds all five of us together. Well, and I will add that this is such ridiculously obvious advice we're giving yet it's advice that I sometimes completely forget about. Like if I'm like, oh, wow, I really haven't connected with this kid very much. I'm trying to share my stuff with them. And for me, it's like, what are they interested in? in? You're lucky because they like pop culture as much as you do. Right. But let's just say um, I'm not as, you know, they don't like the stuff that I like. Right. And it's stupid for me to ask them to start like, like playing chess. They don't like playing chess. No matter how many times I ask them to play chess, they sometimes will do it because it's my birthday or something, but that's about it. What is it that they're doing? Skylar's version of chess is Toon Blast. Sure. Play Toon Blast. And let's take it off of pop culture for a second. You love being outside and travel. Mm-hmm. So does one of our daughters. You guys love national parks. Yeah. You guys love figuring those things out together, traveling to national parks, finding places to stay. I don't need any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, am I interested in it? Yeah. I ask questions, both of you all the time about where you're going, and what do you want to do? But that's not part of... So do you see how you don't have to be obsessed with everything they're into? Like, I really enjoy TikTok. One of my daughters does, the other two don't. Yeah. And the, it, it, you know what I mean? It's like you you just said you're not interested in certain things you're interested in, but actually you have a lot of overlap Mm. with them, but it's finding that. Well, and you need to look at it through a curiosity or a creative mind. Like, cause there may be some things that are not so obvious that you have in common, but you need to like bring in some 
prefrontal cortex brain work of like, how can these two things be tied together? Correct. And it's so easy for us to get into victim mode, like, oh, oh, my kid is, my kid's just on the phone. I can't connect with them at all. Or my kids always wants to be with their friends or whatever in a non-COVID time. Like I can't, no, there, there are so many ways from a open, expansive place um, but most of the time we're not open and expansive. We're trying to get through our day. Well, we think as adults, like that it's not okay for us to be interested in certain things like that. Okay. Well, I'm 48 years old, so I shouldn't be playing tune blast. Why not? Mm. Um, I'm 48 years old or I'm 49 actually. Um, you know, I shouldn't be doing a TikTok dance. Why not? Mm. You don't have to post it. I mean, yeah. I think I've posted one, in, but they're fun and, to learn. You and JC are pretty good yeah, at it. well, you know. Um, and why, like, or TV shows that the kids are watching. Are you watching Bridgerton? Did you watch the, um, what was the one with John B? Outer Banks? Mm. Did you watch, um, what's the one with Zendaya? Your, oh, Euphoria? Yeah. Y- you know, and again, some of these are rougher than others, um, but- Watch what your kids are watching. It's so easy. It's or, so easy. You know, for those of you who have a lot of sons out there, love to game. And I remember Duffy said this on the very first conference we did is, you know, one woman raised her hand. She's like, I don't know how to deal with my son because all he does is game. And he says, when was the last time you sat down with him and played? And let him teach you how to play. And let him teach you. See, that's the fun thing for me with a lot of pop culture I would say 70s, 80s, 90s, I consider myself, and when I say the expert, I don't mean in a literal way, but compared to my kids. Yeah. But basically once I had JC, everything dropped off Mm. as my knowledge of pop culture. Do you know what I mean? Like I just couldn't keep up anymore. And I remember it. I remember when it dropped off. And now the girls teach me, you know what I mean? Now I go to them and say, what, what is it? So if they're interested in something from the 80s, I got it. But if they're if it's something since two thousand three, then they're they're the they're my resources and and like you don't have to agree on everything. Like there's we we disagree about which Taylor Swift album was the best, and we disagree about what show we like. Like the girls did no, they made fun of the Cecil Hotel too. They didn't really like it either. But you made fun of it together. We made fun of it together. We did. But there's things they like that we don't like, and blah blah blah. My point is is that going back to what Todd said about connecting, finding creative ways or being curious, that adding that to your everyday experience of, I am not going to just check in on my kid and say, how was school? How was your test? Now go back to work or now go back to whatever it was you were doing. Go in and say, I mean, you don't want to be like, let's do a TikTok video together, (laughs) allow that to evolve naturally, but going in and saying, what games do you play? Like, I want to get one on my phone. Well, and, and kids are really clever. They are. They're smart. And what I mean by that, and Kathy, you're so much better at this than I am. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I got 30 minutes. I'm going to go connect with my kid. When, I'm going to fit it in. When she's in the middle of a modern family. Right. Like not a good time. Uh-uh. So if I were doing as well as Kathy does, you make yourself available without an agenda and allow for some space and some quiet. Because what I do is I walk right in. I'm like, let's connect. And they're Hello. like, I can't get away from you faster, dad. Like, mm-hmm. they totally know that I'm trying, I'm g- kind of what you always say is if we we're going to our kids to get something, right. they could sniff that out right. and they could see the inauthenticity of it. Whereas if you could just sit there in the kitchen and don't ask them anything 
and let them come to you. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Sure. But so you're really good at that, sweetie. But thank you. And sometimes just your presence is enough, right? Yes. Like just being around. They just like being in the kitchen because you're there and they don't necessarily need to talk. They just like that you're there. Because sometimes I'll be standing there. They'll be doing something completely different. I'll go to another room. They'll be like, where'd you go? Like they like my presence there. So, you know, the other thing is like Todd's right. The language that I, I often use, and this is not just with kids, this is with partnership too, is when someone comes to you and they're like trying to, and I'm putting this in air quotes, connect, if you can feel that they need something from you, it's, transactional. it's super yucky. It's transactional. Like, and when I say need something, like they want to check you off their list or they want to like give you a hug because or, they- Or we want to make our, I want to make myself, myself feel, feel better. better as a dad. And they could sniff that out. Right. Like, go make yourself feel better. Don't ask me to help you do that. Right. Whereas if I'm honestly curious about something that it is that they may or may not be interested in, without having to connect, then they're much more likely to open up. Right. Which in, you know, it's a play on words here because just by asking them something, you are connecting. But our definition of what connection means, which is I picked up my kid. Well, nobody's picking up their kid from school or not many of us are, but if you are and they're in the car and you're like, tell me about your day. And they're like, it was fine. And then they're like, I can't connect. That's just that one question that you're going to give up after that. Like, could it be something else? And can you also, this is super important, when they're not in the mood, when they want to wear their earphones, when they're exhausted, when they want to take a nap in the car, can you allow them to do that without being like, well, I tried? Like, we, can there be space for both? Can, can it be okay when they're not interested? Because I don't know about you guys, but I can relate. Like, there are times I don't feel like, I mean, I very rarely answer my phone. <laughs> Like, I don't like to answer the phone. I know. And I don't like to answer the door. And I don't, I don't always want to connect with people. And that's okay. Like, I don't feel bad about that. I want to give one more hack. Okay, go ahead. And this was, in my opinion, genius. All I had right. no idea how I was stumbling upon my genius. I listened to this, this YouTuber, and his name is Rick Beto, and he's like this amazing musician. And he breaks down all this music that we grew up with in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. He's really good. He's really good. He's fun good. to watch. He's got like, I don't know how many followers he's got, but it's in the millions. And um, l lately he's been uh, going through the top 10 Spotify songs on the charts right now. So in other words, what our kids are listening to, he's listening to the music through that lens and just deciding whether or not he likes it or not. And so, and Todd already said this, but again, he kind of goes through classic music. And so he, classic rock. Yeah. So he's more of an, a Van Halen guy, 70s, a Led Zeppelin 80s, guy. 90s. So, but he's an amazing musician. So he can listen to the music of today and have a opinion about it that's valuable. What was cool about this though, it's something I love. I love this YouTuber and it's something that they love because they love the top 10. So I was kind of like merging our two worlds. And I'm just going to play... Um, a clip of it because I actually played this after dinner one night and I, you know, usually whenever I play a clip, the girls just run for the hills or like no interest. Well, and I have to interject sure, for a second ahead. because sometimes you make it go too long. Yeah. I always want to be like Todd and cut. Yes. I want to be like the director of the scene. You want me to quit while I'm ahead. Yes. And you keep And going. I want to just run it into the ground. <laughs> So, uh, and I'm going to give you all that uh, we're recording this in February of 2021. The most famous song going on right now is a song called Driver's License by Olivia. Olivia. 
Uh, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Olivia Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Thank you. And I'm going to play this guy, Rick Beto, and he's got a guitar with him and he's just listening to it and he's he's giving us his two cents about the song. So here we go. Songs and see what's out there right now. The first song here is called Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. Let's check it out. Okay. I got my driver's license last week. Okay, it sounds like a normal song. <laughs> I like it with piano. Okay, so it's one, six. Go ahead, sweetie. So I was going to say, and he will start playing along because yeah, he's, he's one of those magical musicians who just by hearing it, he knows how to play it. Even if there's no guitar in the song, he plays along. Yes. It's four. So that's enough. That gives you a taste. Well, and the, so we watched the whole thing, or at least five of the songs, and he was honest. Some of them he was like, eh, yeah. this is a little repetitious, a little techno, a little like created by a, you know, computer board. But he really was, he was, he liked that song. He, and because it's weird, because I most, you know, if you t- pick the top 10 Spotify songs, uh-huh. mo- most likely I'm going to dislike most of them. Mm-hmm. But this is just kind of an incredible song. I think. I know Cameron showed me something the other day, made me laugh. It was the lyrics from uh, Taylor Swift's song off Evermore, which I don't know if you guys have listened to folklore and Evermore, but you know, we've the Adams family have always been quite fond of Taylor Swift and her songwriting since day one. But if you haven't been a fan before, listen to her most recent albums because mm-hmm. they're pretty amazing. And she so she showed me this, uh, I think it was a TikTok or an Instagram post of this girl reading Taylor Swift's lyrics, which are so wise. Mm-hmm. And then right after she read Justin Bieber, and again, Bieber's all right, but one of his songs is called Yummy, mm. and he just says, yummy, 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 <laughs> yummy, 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 like over and over and over again in the chorus. And so, you know, it's like, I like that kind of sugar pop, you know, like where it's not, you don't have to think too deep, but you got to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. Like there are amazing, I'll just say Taylor Swift is an amazing songwriter. Yeah. And so sometimes when we're comparing, it's like apples and well, oranges. Well, it's so easy for us to like have our own, romanticize our own heydays of when music was super important to us and we we're going to see a band every two weeks right. and how kids these days, it, they don't like, there's no, you know, one thing I've said is like, I, I like it when the people that I listen to can play music, yeah, play a piano, play a guitar yeah. and all that. They're actual musicians. Musicians, whereas it's this auto, uh, was it auto? Auto-tune. Auto-tune and everything. But there is some amazing music going on mm-hmm. right now in the top 10 Spotify that I would be oblivious to unless I wasn't watching my old guy named Rick Beto mm-hmm. talk to me about the top 10. So there's, you know, 
change your story. Be open to changing your story about something. Absolutely. Or I should use I statements. I need to be more open to changing my story about the quality of the music that's being produced in the top 10 right now. Absolutely. But, you know, Def Leppard pour some sugar on me really like said everything we needed to say when we were in high school, right? It had all the wisdom of a Taylor Swift song. Sweetie, I can't just, I can't, I can't let that go. Well, and let me be clear. I love Def Leppard. So I'm not throwing you under the bus, Joe, lead singer. Do you know his name? Of course. What's his last name? Um, Joe Leopard? <laughs> Joe Deaf? No, I'll find out. Best opening of a song ever. Except for Dr. Feelgood. Except for Dr. Feelgood. Um, yeah, who did? Who doesn't like this song? Joe Elliott. Elliott. Yes, and they're still kicking, man. They're still around. They're around, but they're not kicking. <laughs> Because you went to uh, Def Leppard. Uh, oh, that was very sad. Def Leppard and who else? Well, who was it? Okay, so I did. So when I was 16, I wanted to go see Def Leppard, you know, height of the Def Leppard hysteria fame. And yeah, all that. height of hysteria. And my parents didn't let me go. In some ways, I'm like, yeah, of course not, because we were going to like go to Tinley Park and, mm-hmm. you know, so we were going to probably not be home till three and I was yeah. 16, whatever. But it was such. A devastation because some of my friends did go. I didn't get to go. So post college, Def Leppard had a small comeback, um, and they played at Tinley Park again. And so I made my roommates go with me. I'm like, I have to relive this. So this is mid nineties, yeah, late nineties, ninety four, yeah. And we got there, and they had like roped off the whole lawn because <laughs> they didn't sell enough tickets to utilize the lawn. Oops. So what that means is they just had like, you know, the seats. And so there was just really nobody there. And, um, Brutal. And it was Whereas hard. five years before that, they would have, it would have been sold out three nights in a row. Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten tickets yeah. and the lawn would have been crazy. Yeah. And it was just like the biggest disappointment. And again, they've probably done better since. Like, I think it was just like kind of, they weren't cool, right? They had just gone off. Yeah everyone's radar. Right. And so now you would probably like, I was going to go last summer to Wrigley field. Um, we had tickets to seat. We meaning my friends and I, not you Motley Crue. Yeah. And I feel like Def Leppard was in there. So my point was they had sold out Wrigley field. So everything comes back. Yeah. You know, not everything. <laughs> Some did poison come back, sweetie. Um, they might have, they possibly were going to be there. Did Rat come back? No. And we do love Rat. No, we don't. I do. You do. Yes. Um, all right. We're 46 minutes in. Okay. What can else? I finish Anything this? Else? Sure. Go okay. Ahead. So this is what I want to finish. Um, I have to get back to my page. I lost my page. Um, blah, blah, blah. Can you pause it for a second? You got to give me a moment. All right. So... We started by saying develop your likes and not your dislikes. And so we started to say focus on whatever your joys are or find your expression channel. What do I mean by that? Writing, speaking, singing, drawing. How do you express yourself? How do you, what are the creative ways that you make a day be meaningful to you? It's not always to everybody else, but to you. If you can incorporate the connection that you have with your kids and your partner, amazing. If it be through the pop culture or through hugs or through gaming or whatever. 
Another way that we can maintain ourselves and keep our empathy high is having part of the day, even if it's five minutes, be quiet. And I'm not even going to use the word meditate because I feel like everybody just shuts off. Can you have quiet? I have found that there are certain times in the day where I know I'm going to be quiet and not have my AirPods in. And I really want to keep those. Obviously, one of them is the shower, which goes without saying. But I know some people listen to things in the shower, and I try to not. Sure. Um, another one is meditation. <clears throat> and sometimes I'll clean the kitchen and not have earphones in. Sometimes I do. So this is not about saying you have to do it my way. But can you have part of the day where you have quiet? And if you can't, if your brain is just not shutting off, can you just feel what your body feels? I, I've been helping some of my students with this because they're really struggling with um, finding quiet and observing their thoughts because they just feel so overwhelmed. So I've shifted to what is your body feeling in the quiet? Like, can you hear your stomach? Can you, you know, put your shoulders back? Can you start to do more body awareness? So that's one way. The next one is, can you every day... Are we off quiet? Yeah, but go back if you want to. Shut up! What? I said quiet! What's the matter? You deep or something? What's the name What's of that, that guy? from? He's from Bugs Bunny. He's the guy with the big mustache and the guns. Does he have the gun? Yeah. Uh, Wiley? No, that's the coyote. Um, you all know who it is. We don't need to remember it. Okay, but yes, quiet during the day is great. Um, and then listening during the day. I think one thing that can help us tune into the day and um, remember that there are other people around us or to take a moment and to kind of... This is kind of can be a part of quiet, but it's to listen. Mm-hmm. Are you practicing when someone else is talking, listening? And so people may say, okay, what does this have to do with being creative or building your empathy? Or empathy is a muscle. And the more you really listen to somebody and not feel the need to win and impose your opinion, thought, story, I have a really hard time. I'm always sharing my own stories and it's just, it's impulsive. And I have to really sometimes sit there, especially in a group, yeah. like if it's all five of us mm-hmm. and be like, Kathy, I literally say to myself in my head, just listen, Kathy, just yeah. listen. Because I just think I have the greatest stories ever. We I'm all always, do. I mean, I'm like, this is going to be the greatest story. And they're always not the great, you know, some of them are, some of them are. So hit or miss. So listen. And then I, this is kind of a funny one, but going back to music. Um, so we went to Michigan uh, this week for Valentine's Day weekend and we just, you know, stayed somewhere kind of in a small town and uh, it was great. But I don't know if you guys remember, those of you who've been listening a while, but when we went to South Dakota in the summer, we got a flat tire and it was a pain in the butt, but we got through it in about three hours. And, mm-hmm. you know, thank God, goodness to AAA and very nice people, we got through it. So while we were in Michigan, we just went to pick up food and we got another flat tire. It was like unbelievable. We a lot were of like, flat tires happening. Honestly, days. I haven't had one in like 25 years. And the fact that we've had two in like this small amount of town and that we're getting them on the road somewhere. Yeah. Instead of us being at home. At and, home. Yeah. And then one thing is because I could see uh, maybe some guys out there say, dude, just fix your t- Just put the spare on. I could not get the lug nuts out to save my life. Yeah. So if- yeah. Oh, Todd was working his tail off. Todd basically did all the labor. We we helped with some things, but he did it. I tried the fix a flat thing where you go to the gas station and you spray that stuff in there with fix a flat, and uh, that didn't help. And I couldn't inflate the tire after putting the fix a flat stuff in there because the stupid gas station that I parked at 
was didn't have air. Or we should be grateful that we were at a gas station. And I got to be helpful, be also acknowledge Amanda from the gas station who offered to drive us home yeah. because there's no Uber, no lifts, no taxis, nothing. And the, the tow truck drivers won't put you in their car because they're because not allowed COVID. to. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. So yeah, nice people everywhere, let me tell you. Um, so, but I had this moment while we were in the car and obviously, actually I thought the girls handled it pretty well, but one of my daughters was pretty upset because we weren't going to get dinner and, you know, we we're basically eating from she was, a gas station. She was hangry. She was angry. Um, and I had this moment where I was like, see, I'm usually trying to make people feel better about things. I, this won't shock you. And I'll like kind of give someone a different perspective or I'm not always trying to clean it up, but I'm trying to like in the moment offer a reframing. And this was one of these situations where I couldn't mm. and, and I was so grateful. So I basically just said to the girls, this is life. Yep. This stuff happens. And what was so great about it is for someone like me who who is overly empathic sometimes. And I'm not saying that as a pat on the back. I'm saying it as a draining mm. kind of experience. Um, this getting a flat tire was a moment where I could back off. Yeah. Cause there's nothing you could there's do. There's nothing I can do. And I had to let them sit in that discomfort and not make it better. I mean, I was saying things like, Oh, I'm so grateful we're at this gas station. I'm so grateful that, you know, the car is still running. Well, you know what the one kept on saying, don't you? Quit telling me to be grateful. Yes. And that's when, I, this is exactly when I had this thought, is I was like, ooh, I don't have to say anything. Because the the gratitude I was feeling was for me. And, mm -hmm. and let me explain. I told the girls later when they were done, when we were through the experience, that I used to drive, my job, I used to drive to Springfield all, all the time from Chicago. And I had several times where I would get caught in a snowstorm or be by myself. One time my windshield wipers broke. I've had, I've had a lot of scary things by myself on the road sure. pre cell phone. Yeah. And I would always be like, Oh, if someone else was only here or if I, and so getting a flat tire with my family in a warm car at a gas station with AAA yeah. is not a big deal to Kathy Adams because yes. <laughs> I've had so much worse. Right. Yeah. They don't understand that. To them, it just feels like no dinner. This is a pain in the ass. So my point is, is but I was able to just say, well, this is life. And then I started thinking about songs that that point out the back and forth. Okay, so I'm going to see if you can find these. Okay. okay? So the ones that I thought of, because the one that kept going through my mind is the most obvious one. Sinatra, right? My way? That's life. Oh, that's life. So I kept thinking that in my head, like... You get flat tires. The, you you got not every day are you supposed to have everything go the way you're supposed it's supposed to go. Sometimes you get a flat tire. Sometimes you don't get on the team. It doesn't always work out. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. Right. Yeah. So it's like a perfect, like, you know, Todd and I always talk about on this show, you know, realizing that no emotion is good, bad or whatever. We just have emotions. And that's the same with life. Some days you get what you want. Some days you don't. That's life. The other song I thought of um, the, the next day was Alanis, uh, Alanis, actually, I always pronounce it wrong. Um, Hand in my pocket mm. because she does the back and forth of like, you know, I'm drunk, but I'm happy. You know, that kind of thing. Like things can be good and then they're bad. Things can be good and then they're bad. 
This song came into my life. Uh, most of us who are in Gen X at a really important time when I was like early 20s. And just that, that song is so, that's, exi- that's just what it is. Like sometimes you're fine and sometimes you're not. And a good thing ha- happens and then a bad thing happens. And that's life. Mm. And that's not something we fight. That's something we accept. And that's why we revel in joy because we know the joy doesn't stay. It goes back and forth. And then the last one, okay. which is a little more um, uh, just women focused, it's Meredith Brooks and it's called Bitch. Which is the second time we've said that word on this show. Yeah, sorry about that, but it's but not a swear word. But this is the name of the song. And so I'm not calling women this, and I have my own feelings about the word, but this is what the song is. Should I fast forward? Sure. It must have been relieved to see the softest side. I can understand how you'd be so confused I don't envy you I'm a little bit of everything I'll roll into one I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a child I'm a mother, I'm a sinner, I'm a saint I do not feel ashamed I'm your hell, I'm your dream I'm So, I mean... So help me with that one. I didn't connect the dots for me what this one's about. This is more about her personally. Oh, okay. But she's a sinner. She's a saint. She's a, you know, like you, women, and this is why it's more women focused. We are all of these things. We are not one. And one day we feel one way and and men too, all genders. No, let's stick with the women. Okay. But I I just like to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm covering all the bases here. All of us human beings are many different things. And we sometimes have a day where we're like, now I know how I'm going to be empathetic. I'm going to put these things in order. I'm going to do yoga every day. And the next day it doesn't work out. Like I was doing some things today. I knew exactly what I was going to do. And I got a phone call this morning that changed all of that. Last night I had this plan. I was going to talk to my mom, get on the phone with my mom. My mom's feeling sick. That's very uncomfortable when I'm not with her. Right. But I have to deal with that. And these are a lot of times we're like, oh, this shouldn't be happening to me. Why not? This is life. And this is why we can, and and the acceptance of that rather than I'm going to wait till everything's going exactly as it should, you might get glimpses of that. And if you do enjoy them, but life is all of those things, Mm. as she says, all rolled into one. Well, and I want to do a special shout out. So you talked about women and this song called bitch by Meredith Brooks. Uh You said, um, quick teaser, we're going to have a woman by the name of Soraya Shamali uh-huh. on the podcast. Is that right? Not on we the... are. And she wrote a book called Rage Becomes Her. And yes. I watched her TED Talk and it's about the anger of women and it's a repressed anger that, that you women are often not allowed to come 
let it come up. Right. So I don't know where the discussion is going to go, but I'm sure it's going to be really well, interesting. I, I can't believe we haven't talked about this on the show yet. Soraya, uh, her book has meant so much to me. It's called Rage Becomes Her. came out a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I have used her TED Talk in my college classes. I quote her in my book and some of my writing. And now we get to talk to her. And even more interesting is that she is the executive director of... The Representation, Representation Project, Project, which is a, a organization that Todd and I have supported um, through sharing their movies like Misrepresentation and The Mask You Live In. And also and The Great American Lie. And The Great American Lie, which just came out. And uh, Jennifer um, Newsom. Newsom, who is the first partner of California. Her husband, Gavin Newsom, is the... Um, governor she and again i only say that so you know who that who she is because in her own right regardless of what her husband does she has built the representation project and she has done amazing outreach talking about the needs of girls the needs of boys um and how we all need to be represented fairly Mm. and you know she talks about gender equity she talks about race she talks about all of these things and so now soraya is the executive director because obviously jennifer newsom has new responsibilities. So she's going to be on our show, uh, March. Yeah. March something. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. And, um, speaking of Zen parenting and team Zen, we do this thing called team Zen It's 25 bucks a month. And really it's an opportunity for us to spend time with our listeners in real time. It's a community of parents, uh, who are like-minded and we come together twice a month and a whole bunch of other things that we do with it. There's a Facebook page. Sometimes we get crazy and send out free swag to, uh, quite a few of the people. Um, we've done 112 of these things. Last month's was about, actually, I just pulled it up. Last month's was about empathic listening. It's like, We've been kind of going deep about this month about um, empathy volume, because that's what we've been talking about on the podcast. Obviously, we go many other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually have... In a few weeks, we have Michelle Accard coming on. She wrote 14 Conversations Before 14. She has that book coming out February 23rd, and she's going to be on Team Zen. So not on Zen Parenting Radio, but she's going to meet with uh, Team Zen virtually and answer questions. So this is a good month to jump in. So last week we did uh, Zen Talk number 112. Our our listeners asked us questions about empathic listening, a 16-year-old daughter's privacy um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, and then we have Zen Talk next week, I think, number 113. I don't know what day it's on. But, anyways, if you're interested, just scroll up a little bit and there'll be a link to Team Zen. First month is free. If you enter the coupon code FRIEND, we would love for you to try us out. Um, mostly women, but there's a handful of guys that have been signing up lately. So, trying to get a better balance. So, um, to the guys out there, too. And speaking of guys, Men Living, it's an organization that I co created. Eight years ago, would love for you guys to sign up for my newsletter, for our newsletter. Uh, And it's just an opportunity to connect guys authentically, to be the best father, son, husband that we can be. Connect deeply, live fully, menliving.org. Anything else, my darling? That's. I think that's it. I, I think we could end by just remembering that, again, this week, what are we talking about? We're talking about how to find creative ways to maintain, build, offer our empathy. And um, <clears throat> there is no right way. There is no one way. There is, even if I gave you a list of 10, there's a million beyond that. But focus on your likes and making sure that you're developing your likes every day and practicing them and not developing your dislikes. That's the problem, is when we focus too much time practicing what we dislike. 
Um, you ready for some words of wisdom from Norm Peterson from sure. Cheers? What's happening, Norm? That's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, Sammy, and I'm wearing milk bone underwear. Oh, Norm. Did you like Norm, sweetie? Um, I liked Cheers. I was a big fan of Frasier. Of course you were. And Lilith. Yes. And what about Cliff? No, Cliff and Norm weren't really my people. And I actually, I, I can't say that I love everything she does now, Kirstie Alley, but I liked when she was Rebecca. Yeah. You she like, made me laugh. You liked Rebecca over Diane? Well, I loved Diane, but Rebecca was, I think Rebecca was on longer. Yeah, I think you're right. So, but no, I just focus right now on Frasier. Coach or Woody? Woody. I loved Coach, but Woody. It's almost like you can't choose between Well, and they're kind of the same yeah, one caricature. Or Woody was just a younger version of Coach. Correct, yeah. All right, keep talking, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. Hey, looking for more support, exclusive content, and an awesome community of parents? Join Team Zen, where you'll get zero pressure and 100% support. First month's free if you enter the coupon code FRIEND. Go to zenparentingradio.com. Time is at a premium these days, which is why we're delivering help and hope right to your inbox. Sign up to receive Zen Parenting Moment, a quick read two times a week that helps ground you and remind you of what you already know. Go to zenparentingradio.com to subscribe. A special shout out to the guys or for women who want to share a pretty great opportunity with the men in their lives. Men Living is committed to improving men's lives through connection. Included in our program is a low-pressure, 75-minute weekly virtual gathering for men to give and get support and build friendships. If you want to learn more, you can head to menliving.org. Join us for our other podcast, Pop Culturing, where we take a Gen X view on movies and TV and have fun breaking down key moments and the themes that teach us what it means to be human. And don't forget about our founding partner, Jeremy Craft at avidco.net. Uh, he is a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout Chicago and area. His number is 630-956-1800. Thanks for listening, everybody, and keep on trucking.